Good morning, Church on the Rock. Wow, like I shouldn't have to do it again, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's still good. Hey, my name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm the pastor here at Church on the Rock. So grateful for the multitude of people we see here. I also see nations here, which is even more important. There's a lot of different diversity in this room. Thank you, Lord, because this is what it's going to look like in heaven. Um, the reason we do the good morning, Church on the Rock, good morning, Rashad, is because I want to know that you are here with me, even though it's 11... 30 on the dot. Good job, worship team. Even though it's 1130, um, there are times that people aren't awake, times people got other things on their mind. And I want to know that you're right here with me. And this, this today especially, I really need you because I have a groin injury. So who did that? <laughs> Whatever. All right, we'll get to that. So so, um, y'all know I like to be moving and grooving when I'm preaching. Um, I'm going to be hindered a little bit, so bear with me and let me know that you're here. Um, we got a good sermon, and I just need to hear you do the good morning, Rashad, one more time. Give it everything you got so that I can get energized, and maybe the adrenaline will walk me through this thing, right? All right, so, good morning, Church on the Rock! Good morning, Rashad! Let's get busy. So... We are kind of walking through a stage at Church on the Rock where we're pushing our congregation members to serve. Uh, those of you who are guests, maybe you belong to another church, your pastor will hug me for this sermon. So you could take something from this too. Uh, what I want you to do is I just want to give you like the backdrop of where we're going to be. So we're going to be in a part of Scripture, John 13, verses 13 through 17. John 13, excuse me, verses 12 through 17, verses 12 through 17. So as you see right here when it opens up, it says, So when he, being Jesus, had washed there, being the disciples' feet. I just want to give you some context really, really quick. So what happens is we're, we're, we're looking at a dinner scene right here. We're looking at a dinner scene, and it looks different than what we think dinner is. See, we had last night we had our dinner for two here at the church, and we sat at these big round tables, and we sat in these chairs, and we had Alfredo, and it messed up all of my keto diet stuff, but it was good. And we were all sitting at these tables, and we're, you, know, you sit, and you're about this high up, right? But back then in the New Testament, the table would have been more like what's this, what this, this, uh, this floor mat thing is here. It would have been like low to the ground, and you would have sat. I can't do it because of my groin, but you, you would have sat like on your left side with your feet kind of angled out, and you would have used your right hand to eat. So that's, that's, that's what the setting is right there. Well, because of this, you would have a slave or a servant or a woman or a child, this is just custom here, who would have been, who would have, uh, been at the door and would have washed your feet. Because unlike today where we can drive to church or drive to dinner or we can wear Jordans or Vans and we have things to cover our toes, right? They had air sandals, Right? They had, they had air sandals. So when they're walking through the dust, their feet are dirty. And as a result of their feet being dirty, when they come in for dinner, the feet need to be washed because, like I said, you're sitting down at this table on your side with your feet out. And if I'm right behind you right here, your feet are close to my hands and my food. And has anybody ever, like, been eating and put, like, your cereal on, on like, the ottoman or the, the coffee table and somebody put their feet up by your cereal or something? Like, that's, that's disgusting, right? I see, all right, I don't want nobody to break it up as a result, all right? I see somebody, look at that, look at that. See, told you. All right, no, but look, but look, that, that's like, that's just flat out disgusting, right? So imagine, imagine you're walking through the dust of, of Jerusalem because there was no 267. There was dust roads and you're walking and your feet are dirty because you got sandals on and you walk in, your feet need to be cleaned. This was the responsibility of the lowest of the lowly people according to the culture, according to the customs. So what happens is Jesus is walking in, and this is immediately in the, in the midst of an argument, in a sense, of who's the greatest of the disciples. So the disciples are going back and forth and talking about who's the greatest, which one of us is the greatest. And uh, uh, the mother of two of the disciples went to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, when you get to heaven, can you put one son on this side of you and one son on that side of you to kind of proclaim that my sons are the greatest? And it started all this... This back and forth about who's the greatest. So the example Jesus gives, instead of saying something to him, is he takes off his outer garment, he wraps himself on his lower garments, and he literally takes the form of a slave to show if 
if you call me Lord, if I'm Jesus, if I'm the Messiah, let me show you what it looks like to be the greatest in the kingdom. And he takes on the form of a slave, of a servant, and he washes their feet. Now, in the midst of washing their feet, Peter, Peter, who's, if you don't know anything about Peter, he's the loud mouth. He's the first one to say something. He always got his foot in his mouth. Peter goes, no, you ain't going to wash my feet, Jesus. You're too, you're too, you know, you're Jesus. I just called you the Messiah. You are Lord. You ain't going to wash my feet, man. That's not for you to do. So he goes to the extreme. You're not going to wash my feet. That's beneath you. You shouldn't be washing my feet. Jesus responds and says, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you don't have no part with me, meaning you're not going to be a part of the kingdom, meaning you're not going to have any relationship with me, so i got to wash your feet. So Peter, who's on this side, way over here on this extreme, saying, no, you will not wash my feet. After he hears that from Jesus, hold on. So if you don't wash my feet, I don't have no part with me, with you. He goes all the way to this side and says, okay, well, then wash my hands and my head too, right? So he goes from one extreme to the other. He's like, no, you will not wash my feet. Oh, I don't have a part of you if you don't wash my feet. Well, then wash all of me over here, right? And just completely missing the meaning. Jesus being symbolic here of showing him something in regards to what foot washing is, to what it means to be clean and still need to be cleansed. And I want you to just take this before we get into the actual sermon that's dealing with serving. I want you to take this real quick. It's because of this foot washing and because of the symbolism in it. Jesus says, hey, you're already clean he looks, at, he looks at Peter, he says, you're already clean. You are already completely clean. It's only your feet that need to be washed. And it's the same way of looking at anybody in this room right now who is a believer. Anybody who has given their life over to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, he looks at you and he says, hey, you're clean. You've ta- if, if, how many people took a bath this morning or a shower? I hope. All right. Yeah, we're we judging some of y'all. All right. Anyway, no, but look, but look, you're clean. You are clean. You took a shower. You took a bath or whatever, and you made your way to church. But if you had to walk to church and there was dusty roads, by the time you got here, even though you took a bath, your feet would still be dirty and you would need to cleanse your feet. Correct? Amen. All right. So Jesus is saying in the same way, you who are saved, you are clean. You are saved. You don't need to take another bath. You don't need to be resaved. However, day to day, because of walking in the world, your feet are dirty and they need to be cleansed with confession and forgiveness from Jesus Christ. So that's something I really want you to take theologically because we miss that. A lot of us think, um, I'm saved, and then I did something bad, so I need to be resaved. No, no, no. You're saved. You believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's a once and for all thing, if it's a sincere thing. And your feet need to be cleansed day by day through forgiveness of your sins by making a confession for the sins that you're committing on a daily basis. So that is the foot washing background backdrop to this. So we get to verse 12, and it says, So when Jesus, he, had washed the disciples' feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. He says, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also do as I did to you. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. He says, finally, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. We're going to call this sermon, Serve period. Just serve. Put my, put my slide up there. We're going to call it serve. And as you see, I try to be cute with the colors. I don't know if it works, if y'all can see that, but we're doing an acronym. So each letter is going to represent a word that should help you as a believer move forward into why you should serve, to have the right motives and the right attitudes to serve. This should push you to get involved in the church and serving at your home church serving or just in the world serving in general. And we're going to break it down from John 13. So going back to John 13, 13. Give me 13, 13, Leah. Next verse. Yep, there we go. All right, he, he says, look at this. You call me teacher and Lord. Where's Caden at? Ah, can I put you on the spot real quick? All right. So me and Caden talked yesterday. Was it yesterday or Friday? It was Friday. We talked Friday because Caden accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. Give it up for him. Caden, when we was talking, I asked you a question. I said, man, what does it mean to call Jesus your Lord? What does it mean, man? Say it loud. Stand up and say it loud. You said I could put you on the spot. I gave you a chance. Amen. So look at that. Look at that. Give it up for him again. All right. So check it out. Check it out. 
My first point is this, submit. Submit yourself. The S in serve means submit yourselves. If you're taking notes, submit yourselves. Why? Because none of this matters if Jesus Christ is not your Lord. All right? Everything I'm about to tell you, it means nothing if Jesus Christ is not your Lord. He looks at you and says, you willingly call me Lord and teacher, teacher and Lord. I didn't force you to call me that. I didn't make you call me that. I didn't pull your arm. You chose to call me teacher and Lord. All right. So my question is this. If you call him teacher and Lord, why will you not submit to him as Lord? Caden just helped us. Caden said to call somebody Lord is to call them the controller. It works in marriage. It's why marriage illustrates the gospel. When I say I do to my wife, the Bible says my body no longer uh, belongs to me. Her body no longer belongs to her. They belong to each other in a sense like that, right? So if you call Jesus Lord, then he is in control of your body, control of your finances, control of your thoughts, control of your heart, control of your actions. All these things belong to him. Why? Because you chose to call him Lord. So he goes back, go back to 13, 13 for me. And he says, if he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you were right, I am. Keep going. He says, but if I then, the Lord and the teacher, watch your feet, you also ought to watch one another's. Look at that. If this is what I do and you call me Lord, if this is what I do and you call me teacher, then you should mimic what I'm doing if I really am Lord of your life. This is where we get our phrase, belief births a behavior. Now look at this. This is important because we do this so wrong in so many areas of our life. I'm a pastor and I got people on Facebook who call me pastor. They see me in public. They call me pastor and they're like, you know, I don't go to church, but I watch your Facebook post. So you my pastor. I said, okay, well, if I'm your pastor in title, then I'm asking you to join a church, even if it's not ours. If I'm your pastor in title, I'm asking you to serve the Lord, to serve the kingdom and all this. And they're like, no, no, no. I mean, I just like watching your Facebook post. I don't want to do nothing. Right. But this is this is what it is. A title has no authority unless you give it over, right? Unless you surrender it. That's why many people got pastors in their life that they call pastors, but they won't do anything the pastor asks. Why? Because they don't see him as an authority figure. Many people call Jesus Lord, but they won't do anything that the Lord asks. Why? Because they don't see him as an authority figure. See, I want your salvation, but I don't want your commands. I want your salvation, but I don't want to do anything you actually ask me to do. So he says, if I then the Lord and teacher, if that's what I am to you, I'm washing feet. What are you doing? And we look back at him and we say, well, I attend church. I ain't serving, but I, I go. I mean, I don't love everybody like you love them, but I mean, I'm cordial. <laughs> I mean, this is the way we live. This is the way we live as Christians. So submit yourselves. I mean, think about it in every area of your life. And so so Kobe Bryant, right? Kobe, I'm a, any Laker fans in here? No. I'm the only one? No. You know what? You know what? All right. That's all right. Malachi, you ain't going to hold me down? All right. That's cool. That's cool. I'll be, I'll be that. All right. Anyway, so Kobe, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, right? Kobe Bryant, basketball player. If you don't know, he's a basketball player. And he, he formed, huh? He, okay, whatever. He formed it. He formed, look at this. He formed his game, okay? He formed his game by mimicking what a lot of people call the greatest, uh, Michael Jordan, okay? Whatever. All right, so, so check me out. So check me out. Everything Jordan did, and I can't do all the moves right now because I was doing them yesterday and I hurt myself, but, but everything Jordan does, Kobe mimicked. He matched. Why? Because he wanted to be just like Mike. As a result of mimicking everything that Jordan did, he went on to win five championships, MVPs, all kinds of stuff. He's an all-time great player. All right. So in the same way, disciples in the New Testament were the exact same way. When you got asked by a rabbi to join him, to be his disciple, it was every, it's like being accepted to Harvard or Stanford or something like that. So you wanted to be just like your rabbi. You did everything that they would do. You followed them. Uh, there's a saying said, in the dust of your rabbi, where when they slept, you slept under their bed just to see how they slept. It was that serious, right? So what happens is, so what happens is he says, if I am your Lord, master, and your rabbi, and I washed feet, why wouldn't you do the same? And I'll tell you why they wouldn't do the same. They just got finished arguing with each other about who's the best, right? 
Yesterday when I was playing basketball, I was running my mouth to Clinton, one of our worship people up here, and, and he hit a shot like in my eye. Like it was great, right? Like, Dave, you was there, right? It was, it was right in, okay, it was in my eye. All right. But, but look at this, but look at this. Afterwards, because we were talking trash to each other, he asked me to pick up his bag for him. I ain't picking up your bag. Like, I'm not, I'm, you trying to make me lower than you and all that, but Jesus is like, I would pick up the bag because that's what the greater would do, right? This is what's happening. He's telling them, look, y'all fighting about who's the greatest. I'm the greatest, and I'm washing your feet. Mimic me and do the same for each other. We're in here at church, and we go to our churches, and we're too good to work in the kids' ministry. We're too good to do the parking lot. We're too good to do hospitality. We're too good to do anything but come up in here on our high horse and sit down holier than thou. That's, that's just the reality of church in America, not just church on the rock. We're good enough to come sit and spectate. And God says you should be submitting if I'm Lord, if I'm teacher. I mean, you ever... Have somebody ask you for counseling to give you input on something and you give it to them and they do the complete opposite? Like, I hate when my daughter comes out and she's like, Dad, what do you think? I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And she changes the outfit completely. Like, I got bad taste or something, right? Or like, what about a doctor? If you go to the doctor and they diagnose you, they're like, Rashad, you need to do this, 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 and you need to take this, this, and this, and you do the complete opposite, right? Like, that doctor loses all authority in your life because you won't even listen to what's the point in going to the doctor what's the point in asking for the counsel so this is what jesus says give me the luke uh luke 6 46 in luke 6 46 this is what jesus says why do you call me lord lord and do not do what i say that ain't rashad that's that's god like don't think about this why do you call me lord lord we sit up here great are you lord right but Lord ain't that great when you won't do anything he says. Why are, you, why are you singing to me, great are you, Lord? Why are you calling me Lord? Why do you call me Messiah? Why do you call me Christ and you won't do anything I ask you to do? It, it's, 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 it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You call me Lord, you give me this title, but when I ask you to serve, when I ask you to give, when I ask you to read, when I ask you to pray, when I ask you to go make disciples, when I ask you to sit with the sinners, when I ask you to live a life just like mine, you refuse to. And then you become Lord of your own life. So why are you calling me Lord? Why not call yourself Lord? Because that's, that's essentially what's going on. You're not doing what I want you to do because you're in control. And the book of Judges says in those days, everybody did was what was right in their own eyes because there was no king. And we saw how judges went, right? Like every time God delivers, they mess up. God delivers, they mess up. Why? Because they did not have a king of their life. They did not have a lord, a master, a ruler of their life. And as a result, up, down, up, down. So I'm asking you, will you submit yourselves first and foremost? Go back to my verse. <clears throat> Luke 13, 13. So he says, you call me teacher and Lord. You made that decision. Everybody who's called on the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, nobody forced you to make that decision. You chose to make that decision. And he says, you are right. I am teacher and Lord. So he's claiming that. He goes on. He says, once again, if I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, look at this. You also ought to wash one another's feet. The word ought right there in the Greek, ought, we see in in, a, in English language, we say, ought, hey, you ought, and we, uh, we equivalent it with should, right? Hey, you ought to come to church. Hey, you ought to pay your taxes. Hey, you ought to be faithful, right? But this word in the Greek had a legal sense. In the Greek, the word ought means you must. It means obligation. It was a legal term. It started off in the courts. Like, ought is kind of like, oh, <laughs> in the Greek there. So it's not a... You should, like I'm suggesting this, like, hey, you should wash one another's feet if you feel like it. And if their feet ain't that stinky, you know, Lindsay, you should think about washing their feet. No, he's like, no, 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 you have to. If I'm Lord, if I'm teacher, then you must replicate me. You must imitate me washing another's feet. So the next uh, word here that we had, we had submit. Now we're going to be with the E. The E is exhibit. Exhibit yourselves. You see, we submit ourselves calling him Lord and teacher. 
But it's one thing to call him Lord and teacher. It's another thing to actually exhibit that. And this is going to be very key because we've had one, two, three, four, five, six, and then next week, seven, eight. We're going to eight baptisms in three weeks. Give it up for God, y'all. But look at this. Look at this. This is what parents are getting really worried about with our teenagers and our young ones who are being baptized. They come here. They accept Christ as Lord and Savior. We dip them in some water. We pull them out. Everybody celebrates, people crying and everything. And parents are starting to say, so now what? So now what? Because just because they said they believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior doesn't mean they know what to do next. And this is where the church fails so many Christians in general. They accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then there's nothing for them to do next. We don't know what the next step is, so we got a whole bunch of teenage, young adult, just Christians in general who've accepted Christ, went through some ritual of baptism, only to come out wet. Period. Why? Because we don't exhibit nothing for them to watch. This is what we do. This is what we do. Um... Y'all need to figure something out, y'all being the pastor, the youth pastor, and the church in general, on how to get them to their next steps. I'm like, look, we can only exhibit what we exhibit an hour and a half on a Sunday. What are you exhibiting at home? It ain't my fault. It ain't Jason's fault. It ain't Church on the Rock's fault when we only get them for an hour and a half. What are you doing? How are you submitting to the Lord and living in a way that mimics Jesus? Why is it just on us? I thought this was, I thought this was teamwork. I thought I took a village. I thought I took a church. You see what I'm saying? So, so you, individually, you need to submit. And you need to exhibit an example so that these kids can see something. And I put that on the church as well, though, because this is what I'm starting to find out. One of the most dangerous places in America for non-believers to be is church. That's just real. You invite a non-believer in the church, they thinking they're going to see something different than the world, and they see the exact same thing. Because we don't exhibit nothing in here. I mean, it's sad that non-believers have to walk through the door and hear people begging for church family to serve each other. When the Bible says they will know us by our love for one another, and serving each other is a sacrificial way of showing love to one another because Jesus just showed it to us. That whole section of scripture opens up with John saying, this is basically how Jesus showed the disciples that he would love them to the end. And it started with him serving them. We come into church, we tell our kids we love them, we tell the youth we're excited about the next generation, and we can't get nobody to serve them. We say we want to invite people and we want to pack it out like this every week, but we can't get nobody to go talk to nobody sitting down. They come in, they sitting down, they like, I thought this was an inviting church. They invite all right. <laughs> like, think about this. And Jesus says, this is what it's supposed to look like. We're supposed to be looking like him. Jesus engaged, he exhibited a behavior and says, be my example. Go to verse 15 for me, Leah. In verse 15, he says, for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Now, in the Greek, that word example or pattern is the first word in the sentence. Rashad, why is that important? Because in the Greek, they put the word that has the most emphasis at the beginning of the sentence. So basically, he says, pattern I gave you so that you would do what I did. In other words, that's the most important part of the sentence, that he gave you a pattern to follow. How many of you are ex exhibiting that pattern in your lives? Not just at church, because this isn't just a holy huddle. I'm talking about your lives in general. How many of you come in here and you turn it on for Sunday morning, and then your kids don't know what happened come Sunday night? They're like, you was just saying, great are you, Lord, and now you're using his name in vain. What happened? This is real. That's why I ain't getting a whole lot of feedback. I'm going to keep moving there. I don't want to get... All right. All right. So it's no, it's no different than... Um, Y'all ever play Simon Says? 
Y'all play Simon Says, right? Like, Simon, Ryan, you play Simon Says? So how would you do Simon Says? Like, tell me something. Ryan says what? Don't say jump anything. <laughs> Touch my microphone. See? See, like, that's what it's supposed to look like. Only as Jesus says, right? So you open up the Bible, and Jesus says, serve. What do you do? Serve. Right. Uh, what do you do? Thank you. Come on, somebody be here with me. So, so you open the Bible, Jesus tells you what to do because he's Lord, because he's in command, you simply do it. You don't ask why, you don't justify why you don't want to do it, you don't come up with all your excuses, you just do it. You see how easy Christianity can be? Like we make it so hard, we're like, well, I don't know enough Bible. You ain't got to know enough Bible. He says serve, serve. Well, I need to pray on it. Pray on what? <laughs> he says serve, I need to pray on it. What are you praying on? You're going to pray to the one who told you to serve? He's going to tell you the same thing. He's going to be like, I, I told you serve, Rashad. <laughs> it's right there in the Bible. What do you want me? But, but, but here's the thing. Because we're not exhibiting this lordship behavior of just doing what he says, our youth and our baby Christians who are adults and everything else are coming in here saying, okay, so based on what I'm seeing, I need to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, be baptized, and then come and sit. Because that's what everybody else is doing. And then if I hear a, a good message, I'll be convicted. If the words make me feel the right way, I'll cry, and then I'll leave out, and it won't change nothing in my life. I can do that. This is the reality. This is the reality in the world. This is what the church looks like, and this is what our new believers are looking at, and we're wondering why they're not growing, and then they're taking those habits, and they're passing them down to their kids, and they pass them down to their kids, and before you know it, it's like this meme I saw on uh, Facebook. It had Jesus sitting on a couch, it had the church sitting on a couch, and it had a counselor right here. And the church looked at the counselor and said, we don't have nothing in common anymore. Think about that. Because that's what it is. Like, we're supposed to mimic and imitate and look like Christ, and we, we don't have nothing in common anymore because we serve when it's convenient. We serve when, when it's easy. We, we talked about all that, the easy sacrifices and the entitled sacrifices. We talked about all that. So you need to submit yourself. You need to exhibit yourself. And thirdly, you need to reduce yourself. You need to reduce yourself. So going to verse 16, John 13, verse 16, Look at this right here. He says, truly, truly, and just so you know, in the Greek, truly means amen, right? So when he says amen, amen, it's, it's just like when I say it, like if somebody up here preaching, they preach it real good, like amen, amen, that means it's right. Like that's right, okay? So truly, every time you say amen, you're saying truly. So if I'm preaching and I'm like, y'all need to serve, and you like, amen, you're saying you agree with me, so I'm going to hold you accountable to that. All right. So <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master. You need to reduce yourself. You see, what he's saying here is you need to remember that just because you saved, you're not Christ. Some of us got this Christ mentality. We, walk, we kick the door in on Sunday morning. I'm here to be served, right? Like that's how we walk in here. We're, we're entitled. We think that it's about us. Uh, they're not doing my worship song. He's not preaching the way I want him to preach. He's not. It's all about us. It's like we're, like we're the ones that are being worshipped. I think I've told you this before, but they, uh, Francis Chan says somebody told him in one of his services, you didn't do, he, they were like, we didn't like the music that you did. We didn't like the worship music that you did today. He said, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's cool. You didn't like it? That's cool. It wasn't for you anyway. <laughs> But a lot of us walk in here like we, it is for us. Like it's all about us. Like we are Christ. And I'm telling you, he says, hey, if you call me Lord, if you call me master, you're not greater than me. And since you're not greater than me and I'm washing feet, what should you be doing? Now, let me, let me make sure I pause that real quick. Um, that doesn't mean we need to be having foot washing services every Sunday, okay? Let me just clear this up real quick. It's about so much more than the actual washing of feet. Some people will take that and make it like, this is something we're supposed to do every week or once a month. And, foot and that's, those are beautiful things, but they can be very empty, all right? They can be very, very, very empty. There's symbolism here of what he's doing. He's saying, lower yourself and meet the needs that are in front of you, okay? 
lower yourself and actually just meet the needs in front of you. Stop with the excuses of let me pray on it. Pray on what? There's a need in front of you. Humble yourself and meet it. Just meet it. We sit here and, and we put so much into just serving. It's just serving. It's not, it's not brain science or is it rocket science? Sorry. It's not rocket science. There we go. There we go. You, I'm hurting up here, okay? Work with me. I said give me grace. But no, no, seriously, look, look. Um, so, so the other morning uh, we got here a little early. There was ice all on the sidewalk, and I'm like, hey, I'm not the facilities maintenance people, so I'm just going to wait until the facilities maintenance people show up, and if they don't show up, I feel sorry for anybody who can't walk on ice. <laughs> like, what does that sound like? You're like, dude, pick up the salt and put it down. But that's what we do. That's what we do. Hey, we need help with blah, blah. Well, that's not, I didn't go to college for that. I don't care. It's a need. You, did Jesus go to college for foot washing? Like, no. Hey, y'all busy arguing and your feet are dirty. Let me show you what it looks like to be the greater. That's all we're asking people to do. That's all any church is asking you to do. Because once again, non-believers and baby believers are watching you. And if it's all about your convenience, then why is there a cross? If, if Jesus, I would be all with you if Jesus said, take up your convenience. But he said, take up your cross. Not take up your convenience. Wash the feet. And look at this. So this is what we do. We got two ways of approaching this because we think we're high and mighty or holier than thou. Some of us will listen to the command, but we won't cleanse somebody's feet. We'll just criticize them. Think about it. I got these feet in my hand, these old nasty, janky, like he didn't walk in the hood hood of Jerusalem for his feet to look like this. And, and, and you're just dogging every spot and every, every blemish and everything instead of cleansing his feet, you're just criticizing everything about him. You walk into church and, yeah, you're serving, but you're talking about everybody while you're doing it. Look at her. Look at him. Why would she wear that here? Why would he bring her here? I mean, cleanse them. Don't criticize them. Lovingly correct them. What, what is that? But on the flip side, some of you want Jesus to cleanse you, but you don't want Jesus to command you. Cleanse me, Jesus. Save me, Lord. Keep me out of fire. Fire insurance, Lord. Yes. Well, I need you to go do the same for others. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Yes, it does. That's why we say Lord and Savior, right? Everybody wants a Savior. You mean there's a way for me to get out of my sins to keep me from going to hell? And his name is Jesus? I believe. Keep me out of hell. I don't want to burn eternally. I don't want to be, be uh, eternally damned to hell. No, nope, no, nope, keep me out of it. Okay, no problem. Got you. And as a result, you go live a life so that you can do the same, so, so that I can do the same for others through you. No, I don't. That's, that's not convenient for me, Lord. That means I'd have to change my life and change my ways and give up some things. And you see, you see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, you won't reduce yourself. Because it's all about you again. So he says, I say to you, as a, a slave is not greater than his master, take your garments off and wrap them around your loins and look like a servant. This goes all the way back to Philippians 2. Real quick, Philippians 2 gives us the perfect example of this, of how, how we're supposed to act in, in looking at Christ. In Philippians 2, go to uh, verse 5 for me. Yep, 4. Okay, uh, go to 3. Just go to 3. That makes good. Yep, there we go. All right. Paul says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Okay? He says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Look at this. Having this attitude in yourself, which was also in Jesus Christ. All right? So when I look at the people here, I'm in, like, real quick, and I'm not better than anybody, but I'm in a lot of pain up here, right? And my daughter even said, Dad, why don't you just call it in? I said, because they matter more than the pain right now. I can deal with this tomorrow. That's a very, very small way of looking at it. And like I said, I'm not better than anybody. But Jesus, even more, was in a lot of pain, right? 
on the cross, right? Thorns in his head, nails in his hands, all because of you. I mean, y'all like Jesus couldn't come up off the cross. Y'all think the nails kept him on the cross? Y'all really think the nails kept the creator of the world on the cross? No. So what kept him there? You. You. You kept him on the cross. Every day that you willingly choose to sin, he willingly chose to stay on the cross for you. You, you willingly choose to sin. You know right from wrong. You know sin from, I mean, obedient, excuse me, obedience from sin, and you still choose sin. You know Christ. You know what he did, and you still chose it. So he stayed on the cross for you and says, now you go do the same for others. But as soon as somebody steps on our toes or breathes the wrong way, oh, boy, I ain't washing their feet. I ain't doing nothing for them. I ain't working in that one ministry because that means I'm going to have to watch their bad child. Oh, y'all, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So I just got to ask yourself, it, what would Jesus do if he attended church on the rock? You think he'd be over there praying over which ministry to get in? Or would he just say, there's a need, I'm going to serve? And back in the day, we used to say, what would Jesus do? Jesus would serve. <laughs> I'm just saying. So real quick, I know I'm, I'm running a little long. I'm sorry. All right. So next point, uh, reduce yourself and then view yourself. So going back to verse 16, we're going to take the other end of that. I want you to see what the view comes from. He says, nor is, one, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. That word sent right there, it's the only place in the book of John where this word is used. It's the same Greek word that we use for apostle. Okay? So like the 12 apostles, the 12 sent ones, the ones who went with the message of the gospel, you need to view yourself as somebody who's, get, who's been given the power of life, and death in the gospel message. Have you ever thought about that? Did, when you walked through those doors this morning, did you think to yourself, you know, I'm walking into this building. There's going to be people there who are headed to hell, and I have the power of life and death on the tip of my tongue. And I can sit down, and I can converse with them, and I can, I can build a relationship with them because I've been sent to make disciples. I've been sent to win the loss. And you know, your actions show even more than your words? Like, if you really believe you've been sent to make a difference in the world or make a difference in that child's life or whatever, you should come in here amped and pumped up to do what? To serve. Why? Because you're going to change lives. You, I mean, and I'm not talking their temporary earthly life. I'm talking their eternal salvation. This is why I cry for baptisms. This is why I cry when I get opportunities to go sit down with Bronson and, and talk to Bryce outside and hear and talk to Caden and see that they're actually making their own choice to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That means I got the privilege and the honor to take part in the process of God, God regenerating their hearts and bringing them into the kingdom. You don't want to play a part in that? You don't want to be a part of that? Because of your insecurities or your personality or, or what? Everything goes out the door for me to be able to take a part in eternity. So why not you? Or, or why else are we here? I mean, what? I'm sorry, but what's the point in being here this morning? Are, if this is just a holy huddle, deuces. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm cool on that. I'm, I'm, I'm fine if we're just here to... Puff up our knowledge and talk about Greek words and stuff. Man, no. We're supposed to be getting equipped to get outside of this church and actually make a difference in people's lives by serving them in a supernatural way. People should walk in here who aren't believers and say there's something supernatural going on here in how they love one another. I, I know Rashad from work. He doesn't like kids. And, the, and, and he's over there serving in the kids' ministry? That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Exactly. I know Rashad. He's an introvert. I really am, believe it or not. I know. No, I am. Corey, back me up. Thank you. I, I know Rashad. He's an introvert, and he's preaching every day. Or some of you went to high school with me. Y'all like, I know Rashad. <laughs> Lindsay, Lin, I, look, I bet you Lindsay was in shock. Mama, what church you go to? Church on the Rock. Rashad's a pastor. What? <laughs> Rashad from Brownsburg, Rashad? So it's got to be something, Lindsay, it's got to be something supernatural, right? It's something supernatural, and, and people see the difference, right? So 
So why aren't we living that type of life? Viewing ourselves as those who have been sent out by God, the creator of the heavens and the skies and the universe, looked at you and said, go, make disciples. I'm sending you with my power. Matter of fact, I will always be with you. And y'all sitting down? And y'all sitting down? So, so submit yourself, exhibit yourself, reduce yourself, view yourself as one who's sent. That's the message. The kids are being baptized and they're saying, now what? And the only message that they're going to get is your message that's in your life. And then lastly, engage yourself. Engage yourself. That's the last one. So look at 13, 17. And look how he finishes this. He says, if you know these things, everything I've talked about, if you know that you should submit yourself, if you know that you should exhibit yourself, if you know that you should reduce yourself, if you know that you should view yourself as an apostle in a sense or a messenger, then engage yourself. Get involved. If you know these things, you are blessed, uh-oh, if you do them. Too many of us Christians know a whole lot of Bible. We know the entire Bible. Bro, I know the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic. I can read it front to back. I can tell you the books in the order. I did my Bible sword lessons and all that good stuff. I read it every day, but I ain't doing none of it. And I wonder why my life is jacked up, right? Well, I read my Bible every day, Dave. Okay, cool, bro. So how's that changing your life? It ain't changing nothing. I'm just reading it, right? <laughs> if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. It's, it's not enough to know. But check it out. Flip it around. It's not enough to do without knowing either. Some of us come in here and go through the religious motions. I went to church. Check. I was singing. You said sing, Rashad, I sang. I don't believe none of the words, but I was singing. Isn't that enough? I'm doing, but you don't even know, right? So it goes hand in hand. It's not just doing, you need to know. But it's not just knowing, you need to do. That's why when we, when we baptize kids, we say, hold on. We know you're ready to do this, but do you know what you're doing? And that's why when people are saved, we say, hey, we know you believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to say, but are you willing to do the baptism? You see how that works? Know and do. So you need to engage. If you listen to this message and you're cool and nothing changes in your life, because for some of you, this is convicting. For some of you, this is confirming. You're like, hey, I'm, that's what I'm doing right now. That's, that's great. But for some of you, it's not. And if you hear this message and you do nothing about it, then, what, then, then how is Jesus Lord? And how is this his truth and his Bible? Because I'm breaking it down at the lowest level I can so you can take it like a kid and just run with it, right? So, James, so we got James 1. This is what James 1 says. I'm going to close it out with this right here. James 1, 22 says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. This is the engaged part. You've heard a sermon. I'm hoping God has spoke to you this morning, especially those of you who are new believers asking, what now? What do I do now? How do I get involved now? But it doesn't mean nothing if all you do is hear me. And I'm not asking you, maybe I'm not your pastor. That's fine. So I have no spiritual authority over you. That's fine. But if Jesus is your Lord, <laughs> this is still for you. This is still for you. So you cannot be a hearer of the word who does not do. If, that, if that's what you are, you're delusional. It's that simple. And we're calling on you to stop with the hypocrisy. Stop with the hypocrisy. So for those of you who are here this morning who are non-believers, those of you who have not called on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I just want to break it down very simple for you. Everybody in this room, myself included, was born a sinner, all right? So if you're offended that we call you a sinner, I'll call myself a sinner, all right? We all started there, and because of sin, as a result of sin, disobedience to God, there is a barrier between ourselves and spending eternity with the Father who created the universe. The only thing that can remove that barrier is Jesus Christ and the price that he paid for your sins, for my sins, on that cross, that was his way of showing us what service looks like, what it means to serve people. He came not to be served, but to serve. If you believe in Jesus Christ sincerely, 
sincerely as Lord of your life, meaning you are willing to die to yourself and give him control, then you will be saved. As a result, we come behind you and we say, okay, if he's Lord of your life, we, got, we want to see if that's real. The first way to be obedient to him is be baptized. So baptism doesn't save you. It's the first step of obedience. But for those of you who are believers and who have been baptized and you're not obeying them now, I'm going to ask you to go back and look at your baptism. What's the point in making the first step of obedience if you're just going to stop right there? He wants you to serve. He wants you to engage. He wants you to submit. He wants you to take part in the joy of serving. It's not a burden. I promise you that. There is no burden in serving. So please, um, join with this as we get ready to sing. But I, we're singing a song called I Surrender All. It's like an old hymn, right? Is that a hymn? It sounds like a hymn. All right. I'm still getting used to all that. <laughs> but look, but look, think about this, though. I surrender all. This is what we're essentially calling on you to do this morning. Whether you're a non-believer or a believer, we're asking you to surrender all to the Lordship of Christ. Take a moment and take that in. And remember that it's because of your surrender, others will be saved. He's using you. He's, he's choosing to you. i
before we leave, um, before I press out, remember we do have our Q&A afterwards. Um, um, it's not a members-only thing. If you stay, you stay, but only members will be able to vote on the things that we're looking at. Um, also, be careful with the snow and be patient with each other. Some, we got really packed today and our parking lot's small, so somebody might be parked behind you. Um, if it doesn't look like they come out within the next 15, 20 minutes, come in here and we'll find out who it is and get you out. But be patient with each other, please. And thank you for your attention. I feel like everybody was really zoned in this morning, even with it being a tough message. Um, so please, seriously, if you're a member of Church on the Rock, there's sign-up sheets over there. Serve. Like I said, it's not rocket science. Just serve. We will, we will equip you. We will train you up so that you can be a part of everything that we're doing here. Take part in what God is doing at Church on the Rock. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for just an amazing two services. Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you for the example that you've given us through Christ on how to submit ourselves, Father, how to exhibit ourselves for everybody else. Father, how to reduce ourselves and be humble, uh, even to the point of being a slave for others, Father. Uh, how to view ourselves as those who have been given the privilege to preach the gospel and share the gospel through our testimonies and our lifestyle. And finally, Father, how to engage ourselves in the work that you are already doing. Father, you don't need us to do any of this. You have given us the privilege and you choose us, Father, to use us as the vessels for the kingdom. So may we take pride in that, Father, and may we go out ready and on fire for your kingdom. Father, we thank you for all the guests. We thank you for the abundance of blessing that you brought into this house this morning. We ask that you be with everybody who is returning home, uh, that you give them safe travels, Father. We also ask that you be with us as we prepare for our Q&A. Um, we just thank you and we want to surrender all. Help this to not be a message that we simply heard and feel convicted or feel good about. Help it to be something that changes our lives as soon as we walk out these doors. It's in your precious son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Hey, you guys have a blessed week.